0: The conversation you are about to hear was recorded in person at the 2023 AAOS annual meeting. Keep listening to hear ways you can use social media for both patient education and professional engagement to further enhance your brand and your practice. Social media can be a fantastic tool to market yourself and your area of expertise to current and future patients. In this episode, we're going to hear from AOS's social media ambassador, Dr. Corey Calendine, who's going to share how and why he puts forth the effort. And tips to build your own social media brand. I hope you enjoy this episode and stay connected to AOS through social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This is the AOS Career Podcast, part of the Bone Beat Orthopedic Podcast channel. This series features conversations on professional development and growth opportunities within the field of musculoskeletal healthcare. I'm your host, Daniel Cognetti. Welcome back for another episode of the AOS Career Podcast. I'm Dr. Daniel Cognetti, an orthopedic surgery resident in San Antonio, Texas. We're excited because we're obviously at the AOS annual meeting in Vegas, and we have a great guest with us today, one of our social media ambassadors for the AOS, Dr. Corey Calladine. On today's episode, we're going to discuss social media as an orthopedic surgeon, how to make it work for you and your practice. Dr. Corey Calladine is a founding partner of the Bone and Joint Institute of Tennessee. He specializes in anterior hip replacement, robotic joint replacement, and partial and total hip and knee replacement. Dr. Calladine, Welcome.
1: Daniel, thanks so much for having me. It's good to be with you. It's good to be a part of AAOS. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's get into it. How did you get involved in social media and why did you get involved?
1: Social media, I think the concept is you got to go where people are. And so I actually had a practice change. I was affiliated with Vanderbilt for several years. And then our group of surgeons actually decided to partner with a local community hospital. We were worried about losing the big name, the Vanderbilt name. And so we said, we need to focus a little bit more on marketing and social media, obviously is very cheap, inexpensive is what I mean, way to deliver information and obviously get our names out there. So that was in 2018, that's really when I started in hopes to support our practice and be able to continue a very busy practice in the community that I live in.
0: Now, I'm sure there are people in your practice that said, why are we going to do this? This isn't for me. What did you say to them? Or how did you get maybe folks in your practice or others, friends, colleagues involved with social media?
1: Let me be transparent. They assigned me as chair of the marketing committee, so I was forced to have all of these social media accounts. But really, I started from nothing. And quite honestly, I think as they saw some success and the ability to reach patients and add to our own community, they developed their own interest. Honestly, I think that's the motivation there, the fact that you can invest as much time, a lot or a little, and watch how the community responds and therefore decide how much time you want to give to it.
0: You're doing something right. Obviously, like you mentioned, it's cheap, but you already have 300,000 followers on TikTok, 10 million likes, 90,000 followers on Instagram. So you're doing something right with the outreach. People are starting to recognize it. What do you think the real benefits of social media are?
1: It's hard to know. I mean, general awareness and brand awareness, I think, is helpful. I guess those are like marketing terms that I don't understand real well. What it does for me on a granular level, People are able to see me before they ever come to see me in clinic. And it's a sacred discipline that we have here, medicine, and specifically orthopedic surgery. What I have found most valuable is I'm able to establish trust with them before I ever meet them. It's very common for me to go through the clinic day and three, four, maybe more patients say, I feel like I already know you. Well, what does that do? Sure, it generates volume to the clinic. and makes my practice busy. I'm thankful for that. But also, it gives them confidence in their care path forward. So, it shortcuts that development of trust. Obviously, they have some confidence even before they see me. I think ultimately, that leads to a better patient experience.
0: We know doctor's time is cut short with you got to see more patients. So, already having that level of trust established If you only have a five or 10-minute visit with someone, they've already got to know you and feel that sort of level of trust. So I think that's key, obviously. One thing that I noticed going onto your social media pages was you're mainly joint arthroplasty, but you're talking about a lot of wide-ranging topics. But you tend to keep the topics even pretty simple. Let's say just knee pain in general or shoulder arthritis. You're hitting on simple messages and explaining them in a clear way. How does that translate to doing that in a social media setting and then bringing that to a clinic setting?
1: You have to meet people where they are. And I spoke at the opening, they're on social media, so maybe we should all consider being there. They're going to get their education from someone, and it might as well be us who deeply care about them and are closer to the patient experience. But with regard to your comment about topics, look, everyone wants to know what we know. And the things that we find very simple or easy or commonplace are not common knowledge. I once did this series on Tylenol versus ibuprofen, and it completely exploded. And there were people very mad that I said Tylenol is a brand name instead of acetaminophen. And there were other people that were like, I had no idea that there was any difference between these two medicines. That kind of basic level of information that we think is everybody knows that. In fact, we're not doing a good job communicating that to the patient. So short bursts, look, in social media, I think about, three E's that I've talked about before. One is educate. That's really why I'm there. Two is to encourage. Ultimately, we're responsible for patient outcomes. They have to have that trust and We all need a little encouragement from time to time. But the third E is entertainment. If you make it so long and boring, no one's going to watch it anyway. So you invalidate or you dismiss your message because it simply doesn't reach their ear. So yes, you have to keep it short. You have to keep it simple. And trying, it really forces you. If you can explain something in simple terms, you probably know it pretty well. And I would challenge all of us for that. If you have trouble explaining something, you may not know it quite as well as you think you do.
0: The amount of times I've had to explain Tylenol versus ibuprofen is remarkable. I just got to refer them to your video.
1: Send them by. I cover it. It was actually a whole series thing, but people really appreciated something that simple.
0: So let's talk about establishing your brand. There's a lot of different people on social media and they all come at it from different ways. How do you think people should go about establishing their personal brand?
1: You got to know what your brand is first. And so there probably is some element around what are your goals being on social media and what are your core values? Me, I'm all about education and patient experience. And in some realms, I'm all about advanced technologies. Robotics are so popular now in joint replacement. So it depends on what social media platform you're on, maybe what voice you use, but your core values are the same. For example... You mentioned TikTok and Instagram. These are patient-focused platforms. Instagram may be a little bit more international surgeons, interestingly, but largely patient-facing platforms. LinkedIn is very different. So through LinkedIn, I'm able to talk about some of these more advanced topics like robotics or the role of augmented reality. And through establishing a brand, I think that's what the marketers would say. But I would say just by sharing my authentic self, boy, not only have I learned a lot, not only have I had great benefits from being on there, but yeah, people approach me and ask me questions. They think I somehow know something. I'm learning along with everyone on the platform, but the opportunities are certainly there if you so choose to get into industry relationships, et cetera.
0: One particular question that I thought of in terms of your practice, again, your joint arthroplasty and the naysayers may say, if you encourage them to get on social media, well, if I'm joint arthroplasty, my population is older and they don't use social media. What would be your rebuttal to that?
1: I think there are a lot more people on social media than we think. And I think they're of all ages. I work out every morning at Lifetime and there's a, I'm going to say 82-year-old gentleman that always has a follow-up question on my latest TikTok video. So the reality is, is we don't know who was on these social media platforms. But let's take that example to the extreme. Let's say no one over 65 is ever on TikTok or Instagram. The decision makers, meaning their kids, my mom turns to me for advice, their decision makers are actually on those platforms. So I think the reality is it's the five degrees of bacon We all touch people who are in need of this orthopedic knowledge. So if those people that you're seeking specifically are not on the platform, I'll bet someone who touches them
0: is. So how do we get started in social media? Can you speak a little bit about different platforms and maybe the frequency of your posting?
1: Sure, I started slow. I started in 2018. I really haven't been at it very long and I don't claim to be an expert in the space. I think if I was starting, maybe I'm a resident, maybe I'm early in my career. If I was starting, I'd start with LinkedIn and I would keep it very professional. Now, listen, you want to be careful not to share any patient information, but you can freely talk about how I handle Varus knees and Valgus knees in a very unique way to you. You can talk about your perception about advanced technologies. You can start the conversation. I think LinkedIn is a very safe place to do that. I think it will help people stay professional and avoid some of the pitfalls of some of the other patient-facing situations. The reality is even on LinkedIn, I have a few trolls that don't like what I say about robotics. I never combat them publicly. That's not my point. That's not why I'm there. I actually enjoy their engagement and probably their differing opinion adds value. It certainly adds value to me and all those watching. But if I was gonna start, I'd start with LinkedIn and start simple. And then the other thing I would do is try to figure out what are those top 10? I'll bet if you sat quietly for a few minutes, you could come up with the top 10 questions that you answer at every clinic visit, Tylenol, ibuprofen being one of them. Start making a patient-focused video, and it doesn't have to be long. My most watched videos are about 11 seconds long. And start within fields you know, don't talk about things that you don't understand. You're only gonna get yourself in trouble.
0: And then how frequently are you actually posting? Obviously, when you start out, it may be a little bit slower as you're trying to find your brand and what interests people. Is it daily? Is it weekly?
1: It depends on what platform you're on. LinkedIn, once or twice a week, you're killing it, it's great. Not only do you need to post, but you probably need to interact with other people that you look up to, enjoy what they're doing, etc., so that they can see you, it increases your visibility. So LinkedIn, maybe once or twice a week, that's more than enough, and you'll find out what's successful. Similarly, those people you look up to, whatever they're posting, post your version of that with your own voice and understanding your own core values. To be successful on some of the other platforms like Facebook, for example, Instagram, TikTok, you probably need a higher frequency, sometimes three to five times a week. That's really very difficult early on until you develop a library. So I think the concept is commit to six weeks. I'm going to post once per week on LinkedIn, and I'm going to post twice per week. Pick one now on Instagram and I'm going to do it for six weeks and just see how that feels. I think short-term goals are important.
0: Awesome. That's great. We've talked about the good. We've talked about how to do it. How about challenges you face? You mentioned the trolls. What other challenges do you face being such a presence on social media?
1: I don't really feel like there are massive challenges. Again, even those trolls, I'm not trying to get my confidence from the platform. I really want to encourage people that, if they are interested in what I'm saying and they want to follow or like or what have you, they can. If they don't, then they probably won't follow me. And that's okay too. So I think the goal here is to play to the masses and avoid entanglements that are frustrating or somehow you may come across as a little bit more aggressive than you want to be. We can all have a bad day, never post when you're frustrated, never make a direct response to a negative comment until at least the next day. I run virtually everything by my wife. So find those sittering people in your life to make sure that you are true to yourself. My issue with social media, I'm not trying to have the most likes or be the most famous or orthopedic. I don't even know what that would mean. I'm trying to educate. I'm trying to encourage people because we all need it, including myself. And you gotta be a little entertaining to do that.
0: And you mentioned posting patient information before. I think this is a topic that I've seen discussed a bunch on social media. I'd like to get your stance on posting patient information. And then there's a lot of people that say, get consent out there from patients to post patient information. And there's ethical things that go back and forth, but just wanted to get your opinions and your take on it.
1: Yeah, never post personal information has been my approach. And I would challenge you to review my files and my profiles and see how I do that. So if, for example, it's a short clip in the OR, there's no way you can ever tell who that is. And it's probably posted years after I actually took the footage. So there are things that you can do, but nothing personal. I'll often have people approach me because they're fascinated by social media and they'll have an interesting knee case because of the type of implant I was using. And they'll say, hey, Dr. Calendine, will you post my such and such case on social media, if there's something so unique that it's identifiable, they will never reach my platform. And so it's very critical just to never share anything personal or that can be connected. I've heard people talk about obviously blocking names, but flipping the side of an x-ray image, converting it. There are ways to disguise it, but I think when in doubt, just don't post it. There's plenty to talk about. I think my first Tylenol and Ibuprofen video, I'm walking down the aisle at Walgreens And so there's no reason that you need to involve the patient to relay good information. And if you need an example of a varus knee, for example, me in the joint replacement world, then take one from Google. Doesn't have to be your patient to make the same point.
0: Now, if you do say post an x-ray, are you getting consent from people? Is that something that you already have filed into your surgical consents? How does that work for you?
1: I really don't make any attempt to proactively get releases. We do some more traditional local media, and anytime a patient can be identified or we'll ask them for quotes, we do have a process where we can formally have a consent form. It's very clear. They're allowed to approve everything, et cetera, et cetera. We send them all to it. We document it. That comes through the practice.
0: An interesting thing, especially with your following on a national level, I'm sure that Already established patients are reaching out to you, and then new patients are reaching out to you. How do you deal with that? Is there someone that coordinates your staff? Just go into that a little bit for us.
1: It's a really good point. I think the most important thing, if I've had any success in social media, it's because I have remained completely hands-on. And there can be a lot of work. The number of messages that I get from other countries, not to mention other people asking for advice. I never give direct personal advice online. But I do have some automatic responses if people wanna try to reach out to me. I try to push them through the more traditional clinic ways. And there are a lot of people that do. Recently, you mentioned earlier that I'm a joint replacement guy. I did a video on artificial disc replacement, I'm not a spine guy. So I actually don't do artificial disc replacement. But in three days across multiple platforms, it was seen 27 million times. And I would ask you a couple of things about that. One is how much did I pay for it to be viewed 27 million times? That number would be zero. And then (laughs) what value did that bring? There were some patients that called my clinic based on my immediate response. If I can help you call the clinic, they called my clinic and demanded an appointment with me. And my staff had to explain, Dr. Calendine doesn't do artificial disc replacement. And so it can be a logistical nightmare. I think involving your clinic and understanding what you're doing. I don't think maybe all your videos, or maybe you guys will be a lot better at it than me. Maybe all your videos will get millions and millions of views. But you do have to have the support of the clinic. And you do have to have ways to address individual patient concerns. If you just throw out content and never engage, never interact For one, and quite foundationally, the platforms don't reward you. You need to be involved on the platform. For two, you need to be really careful if anybody is helping you respond. Because again, you must stay true to your values. So if you can't get it done, if there are too many messages for you to answer, and simple automatic responses about call the office don't work, just don't answer. I wouldn't delegate that away from you.
0: What I've seen about your various channels and platforms is your authentic self. And I can tell that it's you creating the content. Whereas I think there's a lot of messages that I see out there from surgeons across the country where the message, you could just tell is not written by an orthopedic surgeon and other people may not realize it, but it's disconnected if you will. So I think that helps to build your platform and make sure that it's the message that you want and not misleading to people as well.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. It's that authenticity that people respond to. And I think they probably know. But for the record, I just had this idea, Daniel. If you want me to produce generic content created by ChatGPT and very generic, you can give me a ton of money and I'll do it for you. (laughs) But I really don't think that's how you'll be successful. I think it's got to be your authentic self. I think the engagement has to be real. And again, it's scalable. You can grow it slowly over time. No need to rush in.
0: Dr. Calentine, it's a pleasure having you on. Obviously, some great insights for us and for those interested in getting on social media and creating their brand, especially as they become new graduates, fellows as well, and early career surgeons. So where can listeners find your channels? And are there any parting words of advice? Thank you, Daniel, for having me. My advice
1: would be nobody has this figured out, including me. And so this is this great learn-as-you-go system. And so I would be honored if anybody listening reaches out with questions or thoughts or certainly how I can improve. Man, I'm interested. For me, this is all part of a greater learning experience. So yeah, so you can find me, unfortunately, everywhere. Probably want to block me on a few of the platforms. It can be overwhelming, but I am everywhere as Corey Calendine, MD. So Facebook, Instagram, yes, TikTok, LinkedIn. I'm everywhere under the same name. So I have a website as well, which you're, you're welcome to peruse. And just to be clear, any of your listeners, feel free to steal all my content and use it. But I would take my face out because I'll bet their face is better.
0: Thank you so much for the insights. We really appreciate all the work you do as the AOS Social Media Ambassador as well. If anybody wants to find more information, you can find Dr. Corey Kaladine on the different social media platforms that we've mentioned. And thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Daniel.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the AOS Career Podcast, part of the Bone Beat Orthopedic Podcast channel with production and sound design by Mission Based Media. For more information on this topic and other conversations on professional development, please visit aos.org backslash thebonebeat-career.